Now, Father, I call to the vision that is residing within my spirit. And I command you to come out in Jesus' name. Father, you said to me that this season would be a season that changes on April 11th. And so I speak to what is in my spirit. What has been placed there by the hand of God himself during that fast. And in the days and weeks after the fast. And in the clarity that has come in further areas since January 1st. And I speak to you that vision that resides inside of me. Complex, albeit as though you are complex and you are. And many moving parts. But I say to you in the name of Jesus. I commend you to come out and be articulated in the name of Jesus clearly over these weeks and months. That not one jot or tittle would be removed, that one, not one notion, not one nuance would be overlooked. That everything that is in the mind of God and the plan of God for this church, that Father, it would come out. Lord, you know that there's too much almost for me to try to follow notes, so it must come out of my spirit. But I thank you, Father, that my spirit is the greatest reference library, greater than even my mind. It knows, what is, it knows the Spirit of God and it knows what is in the mind of God because the Spirit lives within my spirit. And so I yield to you, Holy Spirit, that live within me. And I ask you to bring to my remembrance all things that you've spoken to me. I ask that you'd bring new things by the gift of prophecy out as well, by that gift of, of spontaneous utterance by the Holy Ghost, inspired words. That, Lord, I would remember and, and, and be able to articulate what you've spoken and that new things as well and clarity and increase and more revelation and more meat on the bones, so to speak, would come out by the gift of prophecy. Spirit of God, I yield to you and I lean upon you and your anointing fully and I thank you that what is in my spirit by you will come out in Jesus' name and it will come out clearly. And that, Lord, not only will I do my job in proclaiming it, but the people will do their job in listening to it. And that they would not listen only, but they would hear it. For Lord, we must hear the vision and not just listen to it. It must go into our hearts and not just our minds. Father, let the vision go into their hearts that they would run that readeth it. That we would be runners in Hebron. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, I give you all the glory and all the praise. For this service and for the services to come on Sunday mornings, where the vision will be made plain. It will be written and made plain for the people. But I do lean on you, Holy Spirit, for I need your help. Without it, it will be a confusing, chaotic mess. But with your help, it will be ordered and it will come out exactly in the right way and the right time that it needs to. And the people will receive it. And more importantly, they will run with it. And they will also respond to it. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise and I give you thanks and I give you glory. And I commit these services to you now, Father. Every service, I don't know how many they will be, but every service that is required until the vision has been expounded. Lord, every service I commit into your, into your hands and for your glory, that Jesus would be lifted up and exalted, that no one would get the credit but him, and that Jesus, you will do a mighty work in the hearts of the people as I, as your messenger, uh, proclaim what you have said. And I thank you, Father. It won't just be my words in their heart, but the Holy Ghost will come into them, Lord, and bear witness with what has been spoken to their ears, but it will bear witness with their spirits, that their spirits would jump and leap within them as the vision is cast, and that they would not think about the least that they can do, but they would think about the most that they can do to make that vision a reality. And I thank you, Father, and I praise you. Father, I completely trust you. I, I have to trust you in this series. I'm out of my depth, so to speak. I'm out of my comfort zone. 
Lord, to, to try to do this without organized notes. But you told me not to do it that way. You told me to speak out of my spirit. And so, Father, I'm yielding to your flow and to your instruction. And so I expect your help. And I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. When I say I don't have notes, I have hundreds of pages of notes. But with something this complex, it's, it's too difficult to try to look at notes and then speak from the notes because it will come out in, a, in too much of a rigid manner. And, and the anointing won't be the same way on it. So it's an act of faith for me to do this series because I'm going to talk to you from my heart. And uh, I'm going to try to make it as organized and orderly as I possibly can, but is inevitably probably going to bounce around a little bit. I may say certain things on a subject this week, and then four weeks from now, I, I, I go, oh, Lord, I didn't mention that when I should have, and then I'll come back and mention other things. So it's going to probably bounce a little bit like that, but you can just, you can just put up with it, okay? And, and, and those at home, thank you for watching. And those that are here, thank you for being hungry, because the Lord wants uh, a hunger in the hearts of the people when he's talking about what he wants to do. Not a lethargic, lazy, kind of apathetic way, but, but, but an interested, and, and I'm hungry, Father, for what, you, for what you're calling our church to do. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, the Lord, uh, can I read to you something Pastor Nancy said to me uh, as I start this? Uh, when, when I was in um, Holy Ghost meetings in January, uh, the Lord spoke something um, to me through her. And I want to read you the prophecy that she gave me. Actually, it wasn't in Holy Ghost meetings, was it, Taylor? It was during our master class, uh, right? There wasn't, I don't believe there was one. There wasn't one in the camp meeting. She didn't prophesy with me publicly in the camp meeting. But it was in the master class. And she said these words. This was actually Monday, March 15th. She does a, a minister's Bible study and teaching ministry training uh, once or twice a month on a Monday night. And this was on March 15th. And uh, she said, is Pastor Craig watching? She knew I was, but she didn't know. Some people leave early and whatever. It's good not to leave early because the words came at the end of the service. And so I waved to her. I'm muted on the microphone, but I'm waving and I'm saying, Saying, you know, I'm here. And so she starts to prophesy and she said, Pastor Craig, great clarity is coming for you. It's going to be like dominoes. It's going to be because when the first one falls, then the others must fall. The rest must come into line and must come into place. So it's going to be a season of great download, great downloading of God's plan. And it won't look like every other season because this is a season of great downloads for you. Now, that was a great confirmation because the fast was a lot of downloading. And since the fast, there's been a lot of downloading. And I haven't really told her any of the downloading. I haven't really talked to her and explained to her at camp meeting. I don't talk about my vision. I talk about her vision. Unless she asks me what's happening in my church. And even if she does, I'm very weary yeah. to burden her with all of my details because it's not about me. No. It's about her. And it's about what she's doing in the earth. And it's about the anointing on her life. And it's about how I can serve her. So I, I never talk about us, our church, or what we're doing ever when I'm with her. Unless she asks me, and then I give her a very general answer. And then if she presses me, which she rarely does, but sometimes she'll press me on a certain area, and then I'll start to open up about that area. But I don't just, I'm not there. And that's one of the things, if ministers are always talking about themselves, you, you uh, the people over you won't want you around them. And, and Dr. Dufresne taught me that. He learned that at Dr. Sumrall's knee. Dr. Sumrall didn't care about your vision. He didn't want you to talk about your vision. In fact, if you tried to, he'd stop and go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
because Dr. Summer was just a little bit gruff. The only thing he was interested in was what his vision was. And if you were going to be his, around him, you were going to be interested in his vision. And if you weren't interested in his vision, you want to talk about your vision, then get out the room because I don't have time for you. And that's the truth about it. And so I've learned from Dr. Dufresne, don't ever talk about your vision when you're around your, your, your father. Talk about his vision because that's why you're there is to serve him. Right. And God will put other people under you to serve you, but you're not there for him to serve you. You're there to serve him. Do you understand? But you're under me, so I'm talking about my vision to you. But I don't talk about vision goes down. It doesn't go up. Are you with me? Yes. Dr. Dufresne never talked to Dad Hagen about his vision. But Dad Hagen talked to Dr. Dufresne about his vision. Vision goes downward. It never goes upward. So I don't put the vision upward to those over me. I bring the vision down to those spiritually that are working with me and that are under me in the Lord. You're not, not less than me, but under me in the Lord. Are you with me? So I'm talking the vision to the congregation. But she said by the Spirit, it's going to be like dominoes. As one starts to fall, they're all going to start to fall because it has to come into line and will be a season of great downloads for you. And it already has been before she gave that word and it has continued to be after she gave that word on March 15th. Praise God. So we're in a very unusual season. And so I don't know how on earth, Reverend Greg, this is going to come out, but I'm asking you one thing and one thing only. Please don't, don't, don't only pay attention when you're in the building. I'm asking you for those that are watching to please watch every Sunday morning service from now on. I know, listen, if you have to work, then work. But as soon as you get home, don't delay it. Well, after I've watched my movie and after I've gone shopping, uh, you, you make the priority. And before Sunday night dawns, uh, closes, before, before Monday morning dawns, you've watched the service. Because the unity is everybody hearing the same thing and being in agreement and running with the vision. I can't have unity with 15% of the people paying attention. We need 100% of the people paying attention, which which means everybody has to watch those that aren't here. And if you're not here next Sunday, which you probably won't be because you're here this Sunday, because it's one service that everybody gets out of eight, then I'm asking you to please watch because, uh, because it's going, there's a lot, there's a lot and it can't all come out in one, two, three, four, five, probably even eight. It won't all come out. It's going to take time. Now the Lord said, because it's going to take time and there's much that you have to share about this season. He said, I don't want you talking about the vision on Wednesday night except for a, a, a few rare exceptions. So there may be a couple Wednesday nights that I'll, I'll continue talking about the vision, but probably not any, unless I'm very burdened and I'm overwhelmed that I have to say something, then I will. But then I'll tell the people watching, hey, Wednesday night was unusual. We talked about the vision. You need to watch that because everybody's watching Sunday morning, okay? So Sunday morning is the vision casting. Wednesday night is not the vision casting. And I said, Lord, why? He said, because the people need to be fed. And the vision does not feed people. The vision enlightens people, motivates people, inspires people, lets people know what I'm saying, lets people know where we're going so you can get an agreement, so you can start praying about your part, so you can run with me. But that doesn't feed you doctrinal of the word. Do you understand? And if, if I just do this for a number of weeks or months and I don't feed you the word or some other minister doesn't feed you the word, your spirit is going to start becoming weak. So Wednesday nights is going to be a regular feeding of the word and not just me either, but with other ministers. Now, I haven't said a lot of things, but we'll think just things come out as the spirit. That's why I'm trusting my spirit because things will just pop up. And as they pop up, I'm going to, because there's, there's just too many notes. There's just like a book. I've written almost a book about this. So there's just too much. There's too many chapters for me to try to organize this. Otherwise, it will be really boring if I just read stuff. So it has to just come out fresh by the Spirit, okay? But, uh, but, but, the, but the Lord said to me, uh, after the fast ended, I don't know if I said this, I don't think I said this publicly. He said, until I tell you, I don't want anybody in the pulpit but you. Yeah. 
He said, now the fast is over. He said that to me during the fast. He said, as soon as December 13th dawns, which was the first Sunday, he said, nobody is in that pulpit. Nobody, not a guest minister, not your wife, not Taylor, not anybody is in that pulpit on a regular, like a service, Wednesday or or Sunday service, except you. I need your voice to go into the hearts of the people until I tell you. And so that now he has told me in early April that that season is over. And so now I'm permitted to have other people come back in the pulpit, and I'm sure looking forward to that. Because between those glorious daily connections, 69 (laughs) of them, uh, most of which were supposed to be 15 minutes but turned into 20, 25, or if I really got into revival, 30. uh, Between between all of that and then all of the services and then then everything that's going on, and Easter, which was was a lot, uh, a lot of information, a lot of stuff to talk about. I've done a lot. I did nothing. It was like a desert season during the fast. And then all of a sudden, there's been a deluge of rain. And now I just, I, I, I've drank my full and I want to rest, to be honest with you. So uh, thank God for the Lord letting other people come now and help. And so on Sundays, obviously, I have to do it because it's the vision. But Wednesdays, you're going to see other people in the pulpit. Uh, at some point, when, when I feel prompted by the Spirit, of course, we're going to be prompted by the Spirit. But he will prompt because he said that season is over. And so, uh, but, but look how specific he was. He wanted a certain way done a certain way. So the next thing I want to share with you is uh, he told me this last week and he said I want to I want to let you know from from last year to this year the timings that's how he worded it the timings of the spirit so he said to me January 1st to November 1st last year was a section of time January 1st to November the 1st was a season of time. This was uh, the, up until the beginning of the fast. The fast started November 2nd. So the entire part of last year until the fast started, God counted that as one season. In the spirit, it was a season. Okay? And basically, remember, we talked about Elijah. Elisha and Elijah are walking, and, the, and, they're, and they're having fellowship. Yeah. After they go through the Jordan, they're on the plain of Jordan, which is the place of the mantle, and they had some fellowship. Right, and we had some fellowship at the beginning of the year with Greer and Pastor Nancy, and then there was a major distraction, the, 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 the fiery things, horses and chariot there, that came to try to part them, and the major distraction was COVID, trying to get our attention off, and, and, then, and then, of course, it didn't distract them, and we didn't get distracted by that. If we had, we would have, we would have seriously affected things of the spirit that God wanted. But we just kept plowing forward. And I didn't know all of this, of course, when, when COVID was happening. I didn't know that this was a big test on, for me. He only revealed all this on August the 2nd last year. So when it was happening, I didn't even know we were in a test, let alone that we were passing it. Sometimes you're in tests, you don't even know you're in a test. Sometimes you never know you're in a test if you fail the test. If you fail the test, he doesn't always tell you you failed it. But if you pass it, he often tells you you passed it. And that's why a lot of people, their lives don't go right. And they oh, I don't understand. But when you get to heaven, God will explain to you all the tests you had and the ones you failed, the ones you didn't even tell you you failed. Because if you had passed them, life would have gone in a different direction. So it's just important that you obey what he says and obey the word and walk in love all the time, no matter what, and just do your best to obey him. Because there could be things he's testing you on you don't even know he's testing you on. And your whole future is dependent on you passing that test. So he said to me, so that, that, that plain, of, that plain of, of, of Jordan, and that was fellowship time, distraction time, and then... There was a ripping of the garment. Remember, he ripped his garment. After he left, he ripped his garment. And that was the crucifixion of the flesh. And that represented the fast. And then, of course, then he went after he ripped the garment. The Bible says he picked up the mantle. So the Lord said to me, the first season of last year was January 1st that started the Hebron year to November the 1st. That entire season of time was the plain of Jordan and the first two seasons of the plain of Jordan. Yeah. 
okay? Then November the 2nd to December the 12th was, sorry, no, November 2nd to December 11th was the, was the fast. Basically, if you look at the calendar, November, November 2nd to December 11th was exactly 40 days. That was the season of the ripping of the, of the tunic. But then we didn't get that mantle until the early morning hours of the 12th. And that is a standalone date. That is an anniversary date for us. Just like our church was birthed in the, you know, in the spirit and it started on October the 7th, uh, 2008. So the mantle came December the 12th, 2020. It is a marked date of the spirit. And of course, I haven't shared everything that God told me in the fast about the mantle and why December 12th was important and why it was a set time in heaven and why it couldn't come any time before or after. I'll get into that at some point in the future if the Lord lets me. Some of it's very private, some of it's very holy. And I don't necessarily want to talk about it if I'm not sure that people are going to receive it the right way because you don't talk about holy things unless you really know the audience wants to hear it. But there's things about the mantle that I've never shared before as to why it had to come on that certain time. And it sure did come at that certain time. So November, January 1 to November 1 was a season. That was the first two parts of the four parts of Elisha. Then November 2nd to December 11th was another season. And that was the ripping of the tunic part with Elisha. And then December the 12th was a standalone day because that was the day the mantle came. Praise God. That was also the day, nine hours in the hotel room, talking to my wife about the many things that happened on the fast, but also about what I'm going to share with you this morning about the building and the glory of God came into our room and she started to weep and weep and I started to weep and the presence of God overshadowed us in that hotel room as I was telling her what he showed me about the building and then he started revealing more about the building through her on that day in the hotel room on December 12th. So December 12th is a very important day, not just because the mantle came, but also because the the true purpose of the building was revealed. The true purpose of the building was not revealed to me on the fast. The true purpose of the building was revealed to me the day the mantle came. And it will hold us until the rapture. That's why December 12th is such an important. I was asked to go and preach somewhere at the end of this year, trusting that the, the, the thing would be, you know, all the restrictions and travel restrictions would be lift, lifted. And I was asked to go to a minister's conference and be a part of something. And it was actually on the weekend of December 10th, 11th, and 12th, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this year. So the 12th falls on a Sunday in 2021. And I was, I was saying yes to the invitation. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, do not accept that invitation. I said, why, Lord? He said, it would be wrong for you not to be in your church on December the 12th. You must be present. You must be in your building on December the 12th. You must be home, not, not, not in the States in a conference. You must be here because that is, a, that is an anniversary of the mantle and it's a holy day to God, at least in terms of our personal lives and vision. So that, that's, that's Jan, November 2nd to December 11th was another, was another season. December 12th was a standalone. And that was the fourth part of Elisha's journey where he picked up the mantle. Okay. Then the Lord said this to me. He said, now December 13th, which was the first day after the mantle, that's the first day I was back. December 13th to April 10th, which was yesterday. He said, is another season of time. He said in that season of time, he said uh, there was much live streaming, obviously. The beginnings of the momentum started, back in person services started. And uh, there was just a lot of stuff that happened in that season. But it's been a kind of a weird season in some ways. From the time I first came back until yesterday, you, you look at these last four or five months, it's just been a bit odd. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on, okay? But then he said to me, April 11th, which is today, through to October the 2nd will be another season of time. 
So from today until October 2nd of this year, in the spirit is marked out as a season of time. And he said, and certain things will be accomplished. Uh, uh, momentum will increase. Momentum began December 13th to April 10th, but it will increase now. From April 11th through to October the 2nd, it will increase. Are you listening to me? Yes. Momentum will increase. And he said, it is a time for the vision to be cast. And it is a time for Oasis to get moving. And it is a focus on youth. So there's a focus on youth, there's a focus on Oasis, and not necessarily in this order. There's a focus on the vision being cast. Those are the three main purposes of this season, and momentum will increase. It began December 11, December 13, excuse me, to April 10, but it's going to increase from April 11 today. It's today is the start of a new season in the Spirit. And, it will, and it will, it's starting to start to build up until October 2nd. And then he said to me, October 2nd, he didn't give me an end date. He said October 2nd, uh, so sorry, October 3rd, he didn't give me an end date, but that is the, our anniversary service that falls this year on October 3rd. And he said, there's a Sunday. No, our anniversary is the 7th, but we do the closest Sunday to it, which this year falls on the 3rd of October, Sunday the 3rd. And he said that Sunday of the anniversary service, a new season of the Spirit will start. And he said, and the momentum will take another leap forward. International travel will begin again. Guest speakers will begin again. And you will prepare for the assignments given in 2022. So there is seasons of time. Are you with me? Yes. Last year, January to November 1, January 1 to November 1 was a season. And we had to pass it. November 2 to December uh, 11 was another season. Ripping of the tunic, putting the flesh in a fasting. We had to pass it. December 12 was an important moment. He spoke the vision, he dropped the mantle, and he spoke about the building all on that same day. Then December 13 to April 10 was another season. We're just being faithful. We're, we're getting through this mess. We're doing a lot of live stream. We're coming back in person. There's a lot of things going on, and there's what we've just, thank God it's over. That's all I can say, because I have not enjoyed this last season very much, but it's over. He said now April 11 through to October the 2nd is another season. Momentum will start to build, and there's going to be a focus on the vision primarily and Oasis and youth. And of course, other things that he'll reveal, but that's the, main, that's the main purpose. And then, of course, now, then October the 3rd, the anniversary service, and he didn't give me an end date. I believe it will go into the new year, Greg. He said now this is where the momentum will take another surge forward, and I guess ministers will start coming back in the pulpit at some point after that. And he said, international travel will begin again at some point after that and and there will just be uh th there's a certain assignments in 2022 that have to start because as i'll explain to you not today but i'll get it out in time that there's a the 2022 is marked for assignments to begin Inverness Church in Nova Scotia begins in 2022. Pastor Matthew goes to Africa in 2022, relocates. Uh, 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 the, the pastor in, uh, in, that's taking over the church in Delaware takes over in 2022. Uh, the Philippines, which I'll be announcing on the last Sunday of this month, I'll be introducing the couple who was relocating to the Philippines permanently and starting our first Promise of Life church there about an hour outside Manila. God's spoken to them. They've accepted the call. God's spoken to me. They're planting this church under Promise of Life banner and uh, we're already planning a trip next year with them and the Ramoses to go and preach in the Philippines for a couple weeks. That starts in 2022. I'm not saying they're moving there in 2022, but the first trip, to feet on the ground, boots on the ground, preaching, casting out a few devils. I'm not going all that way if I don't get to rub the devil the wrong way. I've got to cast out at least 10 of them, if not more. So we've got to get some people saved and born again and some people healed and delivered. That's going to start. So there's things in 2022 that God has assigned, and that season, that October 3rd, and moving forward, it's going to mark international travel. It's going to mark guest ministers. It's going to mark an influx of the anointing, and, and the momentum is going to grow. And these assignments for 2022, it's going to start taking off.
but we're in a season right now to cast and know what the timings of God and know what he's doing so that you can, you can run with it and not be agitated, that you can settle into it. We're in a season now where we're focusing on Oasis, we're focusing on the youth, and we're focusing on the vision. And then, of course, all your regular life and what you normally do continues, and we're believing that the things will change. Now, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, he said this to me a few weeks ago. So I knew this timeline. And he said, April 11th will be a new season. But then, of course, last week, we have all this stuff going on with the news and Doug Ford and the new stay-at-home order. And it seemed, if they're following the same pattern that they did before, that that means live stream only, because that's what they did, live stream only. And so I went to the Lord, and I talked to him about that, and I said, Father, either I missed it or I've misunderstood something that you're saying, because you said to me April 11th was a new season. Now, you've also said to me not to talk about the vision without people present. How can we do this? And how uh, maybe I missed it. And I'll accept it if I missed it because I haven't told anybody. So nobody knows I missed it. I said, I'll accept it if I've missed it, Father. But I know you said not to share it unless people are present. And I know you said to start sharing it on the 11th. And I know you said that was in the spirit, a new season. But they're about to lock us down last week. And, I, and Lord, I, I, everything up here tells me that it's going to be live stream only on the 11th. So what do I do? Do I tell the vision without people present or do I not tell the vision and wait yet again? And so I started to pray and there was no anointing to pray. Pay attention to the things of the spirit, my brothers and sisters. Sometimes you pray about stuff and there's no anointing to pray because you're not supposed to pray. You don't need to pray. It's unnecessary to pray. Oh, did the pastor say it's unnecessary? Yeah, just shut up. Yes, it's unnecessary sometimes to pray. Stop being so religious. Learn the Holy Ghost because he'll tell you when it's time to pray and when it's not time to pray. And there was no anointing to pray. So I paused. I said, well, if there's no anointing to pray, I don't know what that means, but okay, I guess you'll talk to me about that later. And in my spirit, he didn't speak to me, but there was just a little sense, very slight, very slight, just a little sense in my spirit that bubbled up on the inside of me that said, you'll be meeting, it's okay. I said, but Lord, I'm watching the news. I know what they're saying. I know what they did in January. What do you mean we'll be meeting? Everything in the natural is indicating that this is going to fall apart yet again. And I'm going to have to do those daily connections yet again. (laughs) Which I'm happy to do if Jesus asks me to do it. I said, but Lord, what do I do? And just a little tiny sense. It didn't speak to me. Just a little sense. Just a little sense. Everything will be fine. You don't need to pray about this. You don't need to pray if you share the vision on Sunday or not to live stream camera only. You don't need to pray about it. Why did he say that? Because it was unnecessary to pray because he knew that we'd be here in person. He already knew the angels were working on that man and whatever the multiple, it's not just us, there's other people praying and there's things going on in in the realm of the spirit, darkness to try to silence things. And so I just said, okay, well, Lord, if, if you're saying that, if you're saying that. You're not saying it, but there's a knowing in my spirit. Everything will be okay. So I thought, well, there's no point praying about it if everything is going to be okay. I don't know how, and I'm not telling anybody in case I'm wrong. But I do believe that we'll be in person on Sunday morning. But dear God, I'm not telling nobody in case I'm wrong. But we'll just see, Lord, if that sense was right. And then, of course, Errol calls me and tells me the good news and says, you won't believe it. They've gone against what they did before, and we're still able to meet on Sunday. And then I thought, okay, well, that was you, Holy Ghost. Thank God. But during that time before we heard from the government, uh, Brother Gary uh, texted me by the Spirit, and, 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 I, and, 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 he, and as I was kind of skimming it, uh, the Holy Ghost said, slow down and read that carefully. He said, I'm speaking to you through him. 
So I slowed down and I read that text carefully. And in that text, he had basically said, Pastor, I believe that there's things in the realm of the spirit, forces, dark forces arrayed to try to silence the voice of the vision in this season. And, 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 but I'm, I'm standing is the gist of it, that, that, that those things will be pushed back and that the vision must be spoken. This is the season for it. It must be spoken. Almost whether we're in person or not, it must be spoken. And so I said, well, Lord, uh, I agree the vision must be spoken, so I'll probably start saying it anyway, whether we meet or not. But you did tell me to wait till we sell them in person, but we'll just have to wait and see. So there was a lot of up, upheaval in my heart this week, but I was just kind of standing that, uh, that what I had the inner witness and then what God confirmed through his text that would come to pass. And then, of course, it did come to pass. Praise God. And then when, when, when I texted him back and I thanked him and he said something to me and the Lord said, slow down. And read that carefully. So I'm speaking to you through him. So I read that text carefully. And he said, he said, as Jonathan's armor bearer said to him, go up and do all that is in thy heart. So pastor, I say to you, go up and do all that is in your heart for the vision. I'm with you. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you start your sermon on Sunday with that. Meaning, you know. I've shared the past, Pastor Nancy's prophecy in the timeline, but basically I'm, 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 it's important that you hear that from the Holy Ghost because I believe it's important. So let me read you that to you, 1 Samuel 14, because he said start the sermon with that. And between the passages, verse, 1 Samuel 14, 4, and, be, and between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other, and the name of one was Boaz, and the name of the other was Sina. And the forefront of the one was situated northward against Michmash, and the other southward against Gebeah. And Jonathan said to the young men that bear his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. That's a revelation right there. We don't need a big army. It don't matter if there's two of us or 2,000 of us. If God's in it, he's going to take care of us. He's not restrained by our abilities, whether they're great abilities or little abilities. If God's in it, he will help us. And, John, and the armor bearer said unto him, this is, what he, this is what God spoke through Brother Gary, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee, according to thy heart. And Jonathan said, behold, we'll pass over. And you know the story. He said, if they, if they tell us to come up, that's a sign to us because they didn't know how to be led by the Spirit, so they needed signs. But if they say stay there, then we'll know God doesn't want us to go. And they said, come up, you Hebrew dogs. We'll show you something. And he said, let's go. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> the armor bearer is supposed to go ahead to protect him. But the man of God representing the Spirit charges forward. Things the Spirit has to go first. And the natural man represented in the armor bearer followed the man of the Spirit. You see, you deal with things in the spirit first, and then the natural comes up to follow up and mop up and cause it to actually manifest in the natural realm. And Jonathan went and he hit them once, and they fell, but they didn't die, and then the armor bearer came and dealt the death blow. And between the two of them working in tandem, the spirit and the natural working in tandem, you've got to have the spirit working, but you've got to have the natural working. You can't defeat the Philistines with just preaching, with just prayer with just spiritual things. You've got to have the people put hand to the plow. You've got to have the people fight and work and give and sow and run. There is a natural armor bearer and there's a spiritual Jonathan that always have to come together in tandem for the vision to come to pass. Are you with me? And so I'm, I'm challenging you by the spirit of God today. I'm challenging you that be like this verse seven says, let this be your testimony. Do all that is in thy heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to your heart.
You got to trust me enough that I didn't spend 40 days without food and water only. I didn't do that. I didn't make that sacrifice to play games. I made that sacrifice to receive a new and fresh anointing for this future that'll take us through to the rapture. I made that sacrifice for God to speak to me and for him to reveal things to me. And this is not a game. I'm not playing a game here. This is very serious. It's very exciting and full of joy, but it's very serious. And I need you to trust me that I've heard from God. And whether you do it or not, God will have to raise up somebody to do it because it will surely be done. Why? Not because I say it, but because God said it. When God says it, it's going to happen, Jenny. He has told us some things about the future that are going to happen. And if the people disqualify themselves by lack of interest, he will raise up new people because one way or the other, it has to happen. It will be to your eternal shame. If you don't follow the vision and you run off somewhere else, you'll stand before Jesus and he'll say, I planted you there as a child of the mentor. Why didn't you run with the vision? You missed your high calling. You did some other thing and that was fine, but that's not what I, that's not the primary I had for you. Yeah, yeah. But others will stand and say, Lord, I ran with it. Yeah. And he'll say, well done. You did it because of you. Look what happened. This is your fruit that remains to your account for eternity. So trust me and, 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 and just stay with me in your heart. Can you do that for me? Yeah. It's important. Can you turn also to the book of Habakkuk, uh, almost to the end of the Bible there, Habakkuk 2, 2, you know it. But let me read it. The Lord answered and said to me, and write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Did you see that? The vision is a set time. What I'm sharing with you are set times that God has instituted. Before I was born, he set an appointed time for the new anointing to come on December 12th. God is not sporadic. He's not haphazard. Nothing takes him by surprise. If he created the universe and physics and everything working with planets, he certainly, if he does that much precision with natural objects in the universe, how much more does he do it with his own plan in the earth in the end days? Not even in the early days, in the end days. We're the greatest generation that's ever lived because we're in the end days. We'll see the king come in the clouds. He is very precise. And it is for an appointed time, Jennifer. At the end, it shall speak and will not lie. In other words, it will come to pass. It won't be a fake. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And that word means not tarry forever. In other words, it might not be for the moment you... Remember, write the vision, make it plain. But did you notice there was time before it came to pass? Because he said it's for an appointed time. It's not quite yet. But don't be afraid. It will come. It won't lie. It will come to pass. Though it tarry, wait for it. Did you notice from the time it was spoken, there was a waiting involved? People think you cast the vision and it happens the same day or the next day or the next month. That's not how God works. Why is that not how God works? Because God works spirit first, then natural. He has to say the vision. You have to say the vision. Start praying the vision. That's all spiritual. That's Jonathan running forward. That's the spirit. That's things being accomplished in the realm of the spirit. And then there's natural things that have to follow to make sure that that spiritual thing comes to pass. That Jonathan did that, but now the armor bearer has to give deal with the death blow. There's natural things to fulfill the spiritual vision, but they always come after the spirit. So you got to say it because that's spiritual. You got to pray it, that's spiritual. You got to preach it, that's spiritual. But then people have to do something. It's not just preaching it, there's doing involved. That's the natural, but you've got to start with saying it, and there's time that passes while the natural is being worked upon. When both the spiritual and the natural come together as a tandem, all of a sudden the vision comes to pass. The garrison of the Philistines falls dead to the ground. Do you understand? So he said, wait for it. 
because it will surely come to pass even though it delays a little. So the time I'm saying it, Greg, there's a little bit of a delay because he said there would be, but he said, don't be discouraged with the delay. It's not a lie. It will surely come, but be patient and run with the vision. Notice he said you have to run with it even while you're waiting. Did you see that? You write the vision that they may read it, who will run who reads it, but then they said there's a wait involved. So they had to run while they're waiting. So there has to be an increased energy and spiritual charisma and interest. And this is going to come to pass and confessing and believing and praying and naturally doing all of that is running while you're waiting. See, our English, we don't think of waiting and running together, but they are together. You are running, but you're also waiting while you run. But the vision will surely come to pass. So will you be with me and say, turn what is in your heart, do it, because I know you've heard from God. I trust you, Pastor. And then will you run with what I share simply with you over these weeks and months? Will you run with it and be patient because it's not going to happen right away? But will you just, as you are patient, run with spiritual fervor? I'm waiting for it to manifest, and sometimes I think maybe it won't, but the Bible says it will not lie. And even though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. It will not tarry forever. Run while you wait. You got that? Run while you wait. I say that by the Spirit. Write it down, Taylor. Run while you wait. Praise God, and it will surely come to pass. I want to say this before I I say anything else, that I'm not a, a whiner. I just don't do that. I've never done that. It's just not in my nature to do that. And I'm not going to tell you, don't even ask. Don't come after me after. Don't send me emails. Nobody, nobody knows. What, what my, 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 my battles are my battles alone. Some things I don't share with anybody except my wife. Not the staff, not the board, not anybody. And this, these are some of those things. But if I could tell you, if I could tell you, if I could tell you what we've been through in the last three weeks, it would curl your toenails. If I could tell you the demonic pressure, the people that have been stirred up, police officers having to get involved, the law having to get involved, uh, demon spirits walking into my bedroom, things, if if I could tell you the pressure that I've been under for three weeks, which I don't, and I haven't while it's happening because I deal with my own battles. I'm not a whiner, and I don't, listen, if you can't pick it up to pray for me, then I just, I guess, whatever. I'm not going to ask people to pray for me. You're going to learn to be spiritual, to pray for things. Because the leader's not always going to tell you what they're going through. But if you knew what my wife and I have been through in the last three weeks, it has been the hardest three weeks since we've been married. The hardest, by far, without question. Like, Like way beyond anything we've ever faced before in terms of the natural and the demonic working together to try to assault us. And actually, our marriage is, is very strong, stronger than it probably ever been. Thank God for that, because if we were having problems in the marriage, plus all this other stuff, I don't think I'd be standing here this morning. I'd be somewhere else because I wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. I say that not for your sympathy or whatever. I say that for you to understand. I've been saying to the Lord for two weeks and six days, Father, what the heck is going on? I do not understand what have I done why is the, what opened the door? I don't understand. Why is this happening this way? I don't understand. And he hasn't said a word to me, but he spoke to me last night at the end of the last day. And he said, the reason this attack has come is because of the vision that must be cast. 
And all this nonsense with the government and everything, that is piddly winks compared to what I've gone through. I don't even think about that. That is nothing. All this COVID stuff that everybody's all freaking out, that is not even on my radar, it's so small. I'm dealing with big devils, not little tiny COVID imps. Which most people are just, oh, that's the whole life to them is stupid COVID. Get your head out of the sand. COVID is nothing. It's nothing, it's an imp. And all this in, in, in stuff that we're doing inconvenience is nothing. Get over it, it's nothing. Compared to what's really happening in the spirit. The vision must go forth. And that is why he said, slow down and read that text because God was speaking to me through one of my board advisors. God was speaking to me and saying, speak it. The vision must be spoken. It must be said. Why? It's not actually physically happening yet, but it must be spoken. Words are spiritual. As I speak it, it is being, it is being proclaimed into the realm of the spirit and Jonathan surges forward. And then as the people run and do their part, and they, that's, that's the armor bearer coming and surging behind. And when it's spoken and prayed out in the spirit, and the people then follow back and back it with natural action, when the spirit and the natural come together, it comes to pass. Yes, and I'm telling you, there has been such a test and a trial. Uh, I'm telling you, it's been, it's been intense, it's been hard, and I, don't, and, and I, I will never tell people when I go through things because it's not my way. But I'm asking you, for some of you, to be a bit more spiritual and to, and, to, and to pick things up. Reverend Greg picked it up because he texted me. He said, you're going through something. I don't know what it is, but I need you to. I said, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Because I'm not going to tell anybody. But, but if, you, if you'll pay attention to your spirit, man, he will wake you up sometime and say, pray for your pastor right now. Because you don't know what I go through. And no amount of money is enough to pay me for what I go through. Nothing that I earn from this job is enough to compensate for what I go through. And I've thought many times of quitting. And I've thought many times it's not worth it. I can't do this, Father. If this much pressure is coming and we haven't even started the stinking thing. How am I going to do it when we're in it? I don't know. He didn't answer me. He just said, you keep going. But I'm telling you, there's something about this vision that the devil is so afraid of. There's something about this that he is angry with. He is trying to silence. He is trying to dispress and discourage and abort. And I can't tell you what the things are about because it's private. And it's not with me and my wife. And it's not with me and the law. The police had to get involved in something, but it's got nothing to do with me and the law or breaking the law or any kind of thing like that. It's something completely else, but the cops had to get involved. I'm telling you, I need your prayers. And I'm not saying that whinily because I will not tell you what it's about. You'll never know what it's about. Maybe in heaven, you come over to my mansion and we'll have Lorraine serve us some iced tea. And then we'll all talk about what the devil tried to do and we'll laugh at him. But I'm going to laugh at him now, even though I'm not telling you what it's about. But I'm telling you, there's a reason why, Jenny. There's a reason why, sweetheart. He said to me last night while you were sleeping, I never even had a chance to tell you this morning because we were so focused on the service. But he said to me, this pressure, this attack, this demonic assault is because of the vision. He does not want it verbalized or spoken. He is trying to stop Jonathan from charging the hill. So you take courage, honey. It will surely, it will surely turn. It will turn. I speak now and I say that assault. I say you turn in Jesus' name. You will not silence the voice. You will not silence and you will not cause devastation. I say it turns in the name of Jesus.
Jenny, you stand with me. It turns in Jesus' name. We will suffer no loss in any capacity. It will turn. Hallelujah. But it lets me know all the more how important this is to God and how actually important this is to the devil that it is not said. And you might think, oh my God, what is he going to share? Is he going to the moon? Is he, is he hooked up with Elon Musk and he's going to be on SpaceX? I mean, this must be a very important thing. Has he bought shares in Tesla now? And now he's a, a billionaire and he's going to fund the thing himself? What is he talking about? Well, I, I don't know. I know exactly what needs to be said this morning. I got to hurry and get it out. Uh, and I'm going to have to fill up all the holes because when he said to me this morning, I was up very early. I only got three hours of sleep last night. And I was up late praying and early praying because of the pressure. The pressure finally lifted at about three in the morning. And then I was able to focus for the rest of the time on this, what I had to do this morning. And so I said, Lord, you know what exactly? There's so much. What? And he said one particular thing. He said, this was a sign to say today. Now, he said, now, you tell them about the timeline, and you tell them about the prophecy of Pastor Nancy, and you read them those two scriptures, but that's not the point of the sermon. He said, what you need to say has been assigned in heaven for it to be shared today on the April 11th. But I said, but Lord, this thing, this one particular thing is really number four. It's week four in my schedule because I got to set a stage before I just say this. It won't come out, won't appreciate it as much if I don't set the stage. He said, I don't, you don't need no stage. He said, you need to say it. It's a set time for you to say it on the first day. And so I don't know how to jump into it, but I'll just jump into it. Praise God. Reverend Greg don't like to jump into pools. I've been with him, but I just push him right in. And then he'll just jump right in. Praise God. Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> so let me just say it and, and get it out real quick because it's 1152. Sweet Jesus. Oh, God. 12, 12.30, uh, you just settle in because I'm not quitting until 12.30. Amen. He said to me, and I can't set the stage, but I have to say this, obviously, because it won't make sense if I don't. He said to me, you're not buying this building. Let me, let, me, let me clarify that. He didn't say you're forbidden to buy the building, but he said this is not your Hebron building. And the long and short of it is very simple. The reason I thought it was is because he said Hebron is a season of ownership. And Hebron started January 1st, 2020. So I said, well, if it's a season of ownership, I need to own. So we were fighting to get this building so that I would obey God and we would own. But he said to me in the fast, he said, you've misinterpreted my will. He said, I said, Hebron was a season of ownership. He said, why do you think that you have to own as soon as you enter the season? It's a season of ownership. Season is a season. It doesn't mean the very first day you have to, but it's a season. And he said, you know, it's seven and a half years. It's a season. He said, in this season, you will own. He said, so when you have the choice, you, you choose to own, you don't choose to rent. He said, but you are you pressuring the sale of the building because your heart's right and you're trying to get the building in your name because it's a season of ownership. So therefore you should own. But he said to me, there's a lot more that I could say, but for sake of time, I have to go quickly. He said, but it's not my will. This is not your Hebron building. He didn't say we couldn't own it. He said, this is not your Hebron building. So this is not the focus of your ownership. He said to me, this is the Ziglag building. He said, Ziglag has its own building and Hebron has its own building. He said, this building in Ziglag, which is 140 Capital Court, cannot be transferred as the Hebron building. Although you are in it at the beginning of Hebron and for most of Hebron. But I said it was a season of ownership. It wasn't ownership 
in the building sense right at the, right at the beginning. So he said, that's where you missed it. He said, because you were trying to obey me and own, you were trying to make the sale of the building work because you thought you had to own this. But it's a season. There's going to be a time in the seven and a half years that you will own a new building, but it's not this building because Hebron has its own building. I said, oh, is that what it means, Lord? He said, so don't rush. And he said, by the way, he said it just like that. I'm saying it just like that. He said, and by the way, would you stop praying against the devil like you've been praying regarding the owner of this building? I said, what? He said, you keep binding the devil for the, that is blocking the sale of this building because the owner won't sell it to us. He's playing games. He's an Olympian. He could get a gold medal for all the games he plays. Even our real estate agent said in 25 years, he's never seen another human being play so many mind games and so many games as, our, as the owner does of this building. The secular real estate agent said that. He said, I've never met another human being like this. This guy's whatever. And the Lord said, would you stop binding the devil? I said, why? He said, because I'm the one that blocked the sale. This all happened on the fast. He shook my world. It was a Wednesday night. I said, what? He said, I have hardened his heart like I did Pharaoh. And he said, he will not sell you the building because you've been binding the devil, thinking the devil's blocking the sale. And I'm the one that stopped it because this is not your building. The building is coming. This is not it. And I have blocked the sale and you keep binding the devil. Would you please stop binding the devil? I'm the one that did it. That's how he said it to me. By the way, would you please stop binding the devil? I'm the one that blocked the sale. I felt so stupid and so small. I'm telling you. You know, the funny thing is after we made the decision in the fast to, to, to obey God, immediately the hand of God that was over the owner's heart to harden his heart lifted. Because we had made the decision to obey God. We had got the clarity. I had got the clarity. And you know, in December, he offered to sell us the building. And then I went back to start to pray again. Oh, God. God, are you sure? Because we've been fighting for this for so long. Are you sure? Are you sure? And he got mad at me. He said, did I not speak to you in the fast? He said, did I not speak to you? I remember because the real estate agent was there with Errol and, I, and the real estate agent was so surprised that after all this time and all these years and all these games that he's finally agreeing. And the real estate agent was trying to push us to do the sale because he's been waiting for so long to make a commission. And he's actually starting to plant thoughts in my mind because he's making it sound so good. But I have an uneasiness in my spirit all the time he's talking. And when he left, I went and got on my knees. I said, God. And they said, I already told you. Don't have another meeting with agents that try to turn your mind. I already told you, this is not your building. I blocked the sale. The reason he's now willing is because I've taken my hand off his heart. But just because I took his hand off his heart and he's, not, and he's now willing, don't matter because you have already made the right decision to not buy it. So don't now get starting to vacillate because the real estate agent tells you it's a great deal. Are you with me? So we're not buying it. There's a lot more to say about, a lot more to say about that and everything that, which will bless you, believe me, but not right now because that's not the assignment for today. I just have to tell you, we're not buying the building. So what he said to me was this. On the fast, on a Wednesday night, he said this to me during the fast. He said, there is a season of time that is coming. And he said, it's a preparation season for the new building. Now listen, this is fantastic, Jenny. He said, the very beginning of Hebron will be marked by ownership. And the very end of Hebron will be marked by ownership. He said, the first thing that you own starts small and builds to larger. 
He said, the first thing that is in my plan for you to own is a smaller property called Oasis. And the last thing in this season that is within my will for you to buy is the new building where you will have your services in Mississauga. He said they will be bookends and they will sandwich this season. The first will be the smaller and the last will be the greater. The first will be Oasis and the second will be the new building. Now he's told me exactly when the new building is supposed to come. But he also told me if the people don't obey his impromptings and his instructions of their part to play in it, that it will be delayed. But even if it's delayed, it still has to happen by a certain time, which will be within the Hebron season, but it will be at the very end of the Hebron season. So we are starting this Hebron season with ownership, and we are going to end the Hebron season with ownership. One small, one great, one oasis, one a new building. I already know the plan and I already know how we're going to do it. He's already explained all of that to me. But let me say this for sake of time. We're not buying this. He blocked the sale. He supernaturally did it. He's got it over to me. I misinterpreted his will thinking we had to own right away. But we're allowed to rent until the time comes when we get a new building. Then we, the new building we cannot choose to rent. We have to own that because Hebron is a season, not just a month, a season of ownership. And so... That, that, that's basically our plan. So we didn't tell the, the, the guy that, the owner. He's willing to sell. He didn't want to sell, but he was willing to do it. He was, just wasn't willing before. So now he's kind of happy because he didn't really want to sell it, although he was willing. Uh, he, his heart softened a bit. God took his hand off it, do you understand? But now we have signed a lease with him last month just to secure this in case he's watching. God bless you, Bob, if you're watching. Uh, but uh, in case he's watching, uh, we, we, he can't do anything now because we've, we've done the lease, praise God. But we have a lease that we've signed, a five-year lease, three years guaranteed. We're actually paying less money than we did before because he gave us a COVID break. And, uh, and then three years guaranteed would be here, but that falls within the plan that God gave me. And the last two years, we can leave at any time as long as we give six months notice without penalty. So we are free in the last two years to go if we need to, which falls into the plan that God gave me for the new building. So we're secure. He can't kick us out. We can't leave. He can't sell it from underneath us if he gets a real good offer. We're secure for five years. Three were locked in. The last two we can leave with six months notice, which is a perfect plan for what God has told me. And we're paying less in rent than we were before because COVID worked to our benefit. <laughs> I'll take it if I can get it. Praise God. I don't need it, but I'll take it if I can get it. So the Lord started talking to me about this new building. And, uh, and he said this, I want you, I don't know, Lord, if we have time to really explain it the way I need to explain it, but I know you want me to say this one thing. And so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one thing. Uh, he, I, I'm just looking uh, here in my notes. Just give me a second. So, because I want to get the scripture verse for you to look up. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he said to me, this building, I'm not even going to talk to you about the money because I don't want you to have heart attacks. Uh, but, but he told me about the money. He told me what to believe and we'll talk about all that another time. Okay, I'm not talking about that right now. But he told me well, how much it approximately will cost, how much we're going to need, a plan to get the money, a plan to ask the congregation about the money. All of that stuff I'll share with you later. I would have shared it first, but he said you need to share this one part. It was a sign for today. So we know we're getting a new building, Jenny. We know it's toward the end of Hebron. I know when it's supposed to come. I know if the people delay when it will come, but it's all still within the Hebron season. I know approximately how much it's going to cost. I know approximately how big it's going to be. I know approximately where it's going to be in Mississauga. Approximately. I don't know exactly. I know a lot of these details by the word of knowledge. He's already shown that to me. I know exactly how to present it to the congregation, how to get you involved. And you're the armor bearer and I'm the Jonathan and you have to do certain things in the natural 
And the first person to sow into this offering for the new building is my wife. And she's already sown a significant amount of money from her personal money that she's been saving for years for something personal, for what she really wants. And she sowed a very large sacrificial offering out of her personal bank account, and she's the first one. Because when the glory of God came in that hotel room and God started to talk to us about the building, the new building, she said, Lord, I want to be on record. I want to be the first one that sows seed into that place. And so she's, she already beat me. And she certainly beat you. But, but it's, that's how important it is to us. So I said to the Lord, I said, because of the magnitude of this word about the building, and of course, there's other things I haven't shared with you yet, but it's, it's a magnitude of a word. I said, I need, Lord, a scripture. You've spoken to me, but I need a scripture to confirm what you're saying. Because I can't go to the congregation with just the Lord said to me. I need a scripture. Because the scripture is the surest word of prophecy. Because he had spoken to me, but now there's verses and scriptures. And so we're not reading it for sake of time, but he said, go to Exodus 24. You can write it down and read it later. He said, go to Exodus 24. Actually, let's just read that with just one verse. You got to read that one verse. Exodus chapter 24. And look with me here, please. This is when the 70 elders see God on his throne. Their eyes are open. They have an open vision. And, uh, and at the very end, Verse 16, in the glory, uh, verse 15, 24, 15, Moses went up into the mount. This is the first 40-day fast he did. And a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon the mount of Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. For chapter 25, verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, shall he take my offering. Shall you take my offering? And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, badger skin, shit and wood, and all it keeps going now. So the Lord said to me, are you, are you still with me? Yes. Don't get tired because I'm not going to be much longer, but you got to hear this. This is what he said. This is a sign for today. He spoke to me on that fast. He said, when Moses saw me in my glory sitting on the sapphire throne with 70 elders, they had an open vision and they saw God in the heavens. Then he goes up into the mountain, into Mount Sinai, into the glory cloud, the fire, the cloud, and he's up there for the first of two 40-day fasts. And the Lord said to me, he said this to me, Taylor. I mean, just as if he's in the room talking to me like I'm talking to you. He said to me, he said, what was the first thing I asked of Moses on his 40-day fast? And I read verse 2, and verse, verse 2, 25, 2. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my, my personal ownership, my offering. And the Lord spoke to me. I'm telling you, this was a very monumental. He's already talked to me about the building, but I asked him for scripture and he gave it to me. And he said, as Moses was in the mount on his 40-day fast in my presence... I asked him to go back when he was done the fast and ask the people to give an offering to build me a house, a tabernacle for my glory. And I told him he's only allowed to take my offering because God, this is personal to God, for those that are of a willing heart. Nobody else. You're not allowed to take it if they're not a willing heart. And he spoke to me. And he said, as Moses was in his first 40-day fast, and I spoke to him about a place to build for my presence. In your first 40-day fast, son, 
I am saying the same thing to you. I am talking to you about the house that I want you to build for my glory. And I want you to go back after the fast. That's when he told me on that night, he said, do not tell the people until you see them in person. And when we saw you in person, we knew Easter was coming and I couldn't interrupt this flow. So I said, the very first Sunday after Easter, we will start this vision, which is today. It's the beginning of a new season. It's a new timeline with God today, April 11th. Goes till October the 2nd. He said, I'm asking you the same thing that I asked Moses on his first 40-day fast. I'm asking you on your first 40-day fast. Go back and tell the people I want them to give an offering. Not just about money. It's not about money. Go and ask them for an offering to build me a tabernacle for my glory. And he gave me this as a scriptural confirmation about all the stuff he had talked to me earlier that night about the building and the money and all the stuff about not buying this building and all the stuff. He gave me this as a scriptural confirmation. So then I said, so I I meditated, I prayed, and I thank God for that. And then uh, he says, uh, now, um, he says, keep reading. So I'm keep reading. I'm expecting another big word, the next verse. Nothing's the next verse. I have badger skins. Schematics. You read it. It's nothing but schematics for 10 long chapters. And every time I was going to stop, he said, keep reading. I said, can I skip this chapter, Lord? Do I really need to know the dimensions of the temple? He said, keep reading. And I read right through for 10 chapters. I read schematics. But I went right through to chapter 35. Could you look there, please? Chapter 35, 10 chapters later, is when he spoke to me a second time. Chapter 35. Praise God. In verse 4, this is he comes down from the mountain. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. When did he command it? Chapter 25, verse 2. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord of silver, of gold, and of brass. Notice it was only those that were of a willing heart. Now, go down to verse 21. And they came. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up. And everyone whom his spirit made willing and brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came both men and women, as many as were willing hearted. Notice how many times he says that. And brought bracelets and earrings and rings and and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And you keep going here. Where, where, where does it go down now? In verse, cha- go down to chapter 36. All of this is the offering. Then chapter 36, verse 3. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought him yet unto him free offerings every morning. I thought the people just came once. Every single morning, the people brought offerings. This shows of a continuous flow out of the people's hearts. And all the wise men that wrought the work, wrought all the work of the sanctuary, came every man from his work which they made. And they spoke to Moses, verse 5. And they said, the people bring much more than enough 
for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. So Moses gave commandment and caused it to be proclaimed throughout the whole camp, saying, Neither let man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff that they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and it was even too much. Did you see that? <laughs> and the Lord started talking to me. I, again, if I'd done this in order, it would have probably made more sense to you, but he said, you have to say this today. Because he told me how much we're believing for. He told me how much we need to raise. And so I'll talk to you about that another day. But that amount was beyond, well, it is within my measure because he wouldn't tell me if it was outside my measure of faith, but it feels in my emotions like it's outside my measure of faith. And so I said, but Lord, I don't know how we can do this. What you're asking me is almost too much for the people. It's too much for me. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do this. Lord, you've told me, and I've asked you to give me a scripture, and you've given me a scripture, and you've said the first thing I asked him on his fast was to build me a house, and the first thing I'm asking on your fast is to build me a house, and go back and tell the people that it's my offering. It's not Pastor Craig's offering, and it's not Promise of Life's offering, and it's not a building fund offering. He said, don't call this a building fund offering. He said, this is called a house offering. I want you to build me a house. I'm telling you. And he said, all the years in the past, it has been laborious, laborsome, and it's been a building fund, and you've had to pull. He said, this will not be like that. He said, this is by far the largest amount that I've ever asked you to believe me for, but it's for my house, and it will be called a house offering, not a building fund offering. And he said, even though it is far greater dollar-wise than anything you've ever done, it will be the lightest and easiest thing that you've ever done. And he said, and there will be no pull or drag on the people. I said, but Lord, what are you talking about? How can there be no pull and drag on the people? Last year, we were believing for $379,000. And it took us all year into February of the next year to get it. And Lord, I, I had to like pull it out of them. And the people were honorable and they gave, but it took a lot of... I said, do you realize what you're asking of me? And do you realize what you're asking of the people? How much of this is going to be required of me? Because it's tiring to do that. And I'm telling you, it was, it was, it just, he just said it to me so simply, Greg. He said, in the past, it's been small amounts. He considered 379 a small amount. It's been small amounts, and there's been a, a pull, and it's been laborsome, and it's been called a building fund. He said, but in the future, it'll be called a glory center or a house fund. There will not be any pull or drag on the people. It will be the easiest thing that you've ever done, and it will be by far the largest that you've ever done. And I said, explain to me how that's going to happen. And he spoke to me. He said, did you not read in my word how before Moses went up, they saw the Lord on his sapphire throne? And he went up into the glory, and I spoke to him. And within a few days of him going up, the same people that saw an open vision of God himself on his throne did not constrain and restrain the people, the mass population, which the leaders should have done, sure. 
And the people started to make a calf of gold, started to have orgies. If you study the Hebrew, it means they had orgies. They had sex with everything that walked. They're worshiping a false god, and they're talking about going back to Egypt. After the leaders just had an open vision of God himself. He said, why do you think I gave them the open vision? To let them know who I am, to control the people and keep them in line. But the, they didn't control them, and the people got out of line. Are you listening? Then Moses came down with the instruction. But if you study the Bible, he never gave the instruction because he's so angry. He smashes the tables, breaks the golden calf, grinds it to dust, puts it in the water, and makes them drink what they worshiped. Then he goes back up. He hasn't given the message yet. He's so angry. He goes back up, and for another 40 days and nights, he receives the tablets again. Then he comes back down. He doesn't give this instruction to the end of the second fast. And the, this face is shining, they put the veil over. And the first thing that he says to them is what God said at the first of the first fast, which is bring me an offering. And the first thing he says, if you look at it, he says, I'm only taking God's offering from willing people. But it says that God stirred up their hearts and their spirit made them willing. So their spirits were involved, their hearts were involved, and God was influencing them on the inside so that every single morning they came. And to the point that the people came and said, Moses, stop them. We can't handle it. They've given too much. It's more than enough. And he has to say, stop bringing me money. And if you study the Hebrew, they were restrained, but the inference in the Hebrew is that they were distrained with displeasure. They were displeased that they had to be restrained. They wanted so bad to give. They wanted out of a heart. Why? Because their spirit was stirred. Their heart was made willing. Their spirit rose up. Not Moses trying to pull an offering out of them. Moses said it once. And God did something inside them. And they were so compelled to support what God's vision was. To give to God's offering. It wasn't Moses' offering. It was God's offering. He said, my offering. He took it personally because it's his house. And they were so constrained and compelled that they gave to the point where Moses said, you got to stop. Now the word of the Lord came to me on that fast. And he said to me, are you listening? He said, if I could stir the hearts of a bunch of carnal, stubborn Jews who weeks before were having orgies and worshiping a demon god. If I could stir their hearts, carnal, stubborn people, known for their stubbornness. This is the same group that all died in the wilderness. Same group. Their kids went in, but this is the same people that died. He said these were stubborn, hard-hearted, wicked people that just cast off restraint as soon as the leader left town. He said, if I, listen to me, he said, if I could, and this is a holy moment between me and God. He said, if I could stir their hearts, a group of ragamuffins like that, to the point that they were compelled to give and had to be commanded to stop, how much more? Can I stir the hearts of my righteous ones at promise of life who have not cast off restraint, who have not worshiped demon gods, who have not had sex orgies, who have not rejected my commandments. If I could stir that group, how much more can I stir your group? Because I was saying, how are we going to do this? 
How is this possible, Lord? And he said, you don't need to worry about it, son. If I could stir them, your people have got nothing on those people in terms of their carnality and stubbornness. He said, if I can touch them, I can touch yours. I'm telling you, it was a holy moment with God. And I'm telling you, the weight and the pressure of that lifted off me like a bird. I'm telling you. He said to me, then I had a little vision. I saw in front of me a glass cup, like a glass like I drink water out of. I saw the glass cup and I saw it was full of water right to the brim. And I saw another cup behind it looked exactly the same as that cup, a little bit smaller, but exactly the same. And, and I saw empty. And I said, Lord, what am I seeing? He said, the cup behind that is empty is the congregation. And the cup in front that is full is you. He said, what you are full of is the vision. And I saw my, my hands come and pick up the cup with both hands and turn it like this away from me. And I saw the water pour into the other cup, which was just about an inch smaller. It wasn't much smaller, but a little bit smaller. And it filled that cup and then started overflowing on the table. And then my cup was empty and I saw my hands come back and put the cup down. And then I saw the hand of God. I'm telling you that I'm sharing holy things with you. I heard the Lord say these words to me. He said, your job, son, is to pour out the vision. And he said, then I saw, I saw a hand. It was not my hand. It was a hand of a, a larger man. It was God's hand. It represented God's hand. I saw, I got a full cup now and an empty cup standing, sitting closer to me, which represents me. And I saw this hand. It was a right hand. And it came like this. And if this is, if this is the cup that's empty, okay, me, represents me. I saw this hand. It come like this and like this. And it took the cup and it moved it across the table. And all I saw was the cup that was overflowing with water. And I heard the word of the Lord say, you pour out the vision and then get out of my way. And he said something which kind of insulted me, but I took it because I knew that he was trying to help me. And I, he knew I would understand what he meant. He said, stop trying so hard you talk too much. That's what he said to me. I saw it pour out. I saw the cup empty. I saw a hand come, which represented me, the empty cup, move me aside. And he said, once you pour the vision out, get out of my way. You talk too much. I will touch the people's hearts. I will wake them up in the night season. I will cause them to feel such a holy and divine compulsion that they have never felt all their lives till this date. I will touch them, stir them, and move them, and I will do this. You do not have to fight this. You do not have to draw it. You do not have to manipulate it. You do not have to pull it. You do not have to labor over this. I am going to touch them. When I touch them, it's something you can't do, son. They will be so compelled to serve me in this that they will give and it will be a flow, a constant flow to the point that you will have to say, stop. Now that is supernatural because that does not happen in churches anywhere that I know of except the Bible because the people are always pressuring and pulling and he and he and then God does touch people's hearts but I think some of the time the pastor gets in his way with all the talking and all the planning and all the little programs that they have to raise money instead of just get out of the way your job is to say the vision it's not to pressure the people you get out of the way 
Don't talk so much. Let me deal with them. And the first one he has dealt with, because he gave me an amount for every person over a certain period of years combined, all the years together, one amount per individual in this church. He said they don't have to give that, but present that to them as a goal, which I'm not doing today, but I will coming forward. And I shared that with my wife. And she said, I will be the first one. And she's already given that goal, all the years combined, what I'm asking one individual to do over all these years, my wife's already given the first amount. Because her heart, why? Greg, she's been saving that money for years. I know, I do the books in our, in our family. I know her money. I know what's in her account. She's been saving that for years for something special. And she just gave it all away. Not all, she's got some left over, but the point is that amount that God gave me to challenge the congregation, she was the first one. Because why? God stirred her heart. I didn't ask her for nothing. This is not my offering. This is God's offering. It's the greatest honor. When God asks a human being, I want you to do something for me. And the human being looks at God and says, no. But when a human being says, Father, it is the greatest privilege and honor of my life that you'd even ask me. You could have asked anybody, but you asked me. Not only will I do it, but I'll do it with joy. I'll do it as the greatest privilege of my life. And when God deals with people around, not the pastor, God, all I do is pour out the vision and get out of his way. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. And we're sitting in that hotel on the 12th of December, and I'm telling her the things I'm telling you, plus other stuff. And the presence of God came in that room. And I never saw the true purpose of the, remember I said on the 12th of December, God told us the real purpose of the building. I knew the logistics. I knew the plan. I knew the scripture. I knew the confirmation. I knew the amount. I knew all that stuff on the fast, but I still didn't get the most important part. Why? It was established for the day the mantle came. And it came through my wife. Do you know why it came through my wife? I know why, because God told me. I said, that's unfair. I'm the pastor here. You should be talking to me. No, I'm serious. You told me everything. Why are you doing it through her? I'm not trying to be petty, but I did ask God that. And you know what he answered me? He said, because of her heart and her willingness to give that offering, before you even had basically finished telling her the story, she'd already given the money. He said, I chose, because of that heart, I chose to give the next piece of information through her. And he said to me, he said to her in that, the presence of God came, remember that, honey? Came in that, we started weeping. The presence of God came tangibly in that room. And God spoke to my wife and, and the gist of it is, and she'll probably share a little bit next week and maybe her own words, but the gist of it was, uh, this is not just a building. This is not just a building. This is not just making a building for God. This is, this is the glory center. And the Lord came in that room and he reminded us, and he said, through my wife, he said, do you not remember my prophet in the restaurant two, three years ago? Misty eyes. He had an open vision. He was looking past me out the window. And he said, I see it. I see it on the horizon. I see the glory cloud on the horizon. And he said, I see your church. Yes, I see the glory in your church. You remember that? And he's, and he's saying this in the restaurant. And he said, and it shall be called the glory center. For the glory of God will come into that building. 
and the people will know it and witness it and sinners will see it and it shall be called the glory center. I've never forgotten that. And then a little time after that, he was standing in this, he was standing right here when he was preaching and he was taking a step right in this area and he was taking a step and he paused and God took him into the future and he didn't need a DeLorean to get there. He went into the future in the spirit, and when he took the next step, he was standing in another building. This building disappeared. The entire building disappeared, and he was standing in a completely different building. He was in the spirit. He was having an, an out-of-body experience or an in-body. I don't know what kind of body it was, but it was an experience. And he, for about four or five seconds, he looked around, and then in the back room, he told me the details. He said, I stood in a large building. He said it was packed full, standing room only. He said there was between three and 4,000 people present. He said it was a much, much larger building, at least four or five times the size of your sanctuary, if not larger than that. And he said, and I see, he saw the architecture, he saw the chairs, he saw the stage, he saw me and Jenny sitting over there, and he was preaching in that building. God let him go into the future and stand in that moment and look around for about five seconds, and then he was right back in 140 Capitol Court at, this, at that present moment. And he said to me in the back, he said, I have been in the glory center. He said, that building, now he doesn't know because I don't share the vision. The vision goes down, not up. He doesn't know about Hebron year and the Jerusalem year and all that kind of stuff. I don't tell him anything. But I know what God has said. And this is before the fast, obviously, so I didn't know all of the stuff I know now. But, but when he said that to me in the background, he said, you remember in the restaurant, I said, it will be known as the glory center. I said, yes. He said, I stood in the glory center. He said, it will be the next building you get. And he said to me, like Pastor Nancy said, you remember? She said, don't get your affection on this building. Get, turn your gaze away. Another one comes. And he said, he didn't know Pastor Nancy that because I don't tell him that. But he said, I don't know if you should buy this building. I think you should pray about it. And I says, well, Pastor Nancy told us that. She said, I think you should listen to her. This is while I'm still going through the struggle of the building and binding the devil. Because God didn't talk to me about that till the fast that he was blocking the sale. But now God says to through two prophets, one through Pastor Nancy, turn your gaze. And now through Randy Greer in the back room, I, I would think twice before you buy this building. This is not the building I stood in. There is another building coming. And this building, now I know this is the Hebron building. Because it's the season of ownership. But it's going to come later. But we have to talk about it now. This, the oasis is the first ownership, but the building, the glory center is the second ownership. One is small, one is large. One is at the beginning, one is toward the end. And that glory center, I'm telling you, that God came in that room in that hotel, Jenny. And, and just the presence of God so overwhelmed my wife and I as God started. I was looking at all the mechanicals, Taylor, the, me the logistics of the money and, and how to talk to the people and the scripture confirmation. And yes, God will stir their hearts and that's how it's going to happen. It's not going to be hard for me. You know, 80% of pastors in a recent Barna study that do it, but that do 80% of pastors that do building projects die of heart attacks in the United States. 80%. 80% of, do you hear what I said? 80% of pastors that do building projects die of heart attacks. So the, the, they tell people, they tell pastors, don't do building projects because you can't take the pressure of it. The pressure's too great for you. Well, not me. I'm not dying of a heart attack because of the building project because he said it will be the lightest thing you've ever done, even though it'll be the biggest you've ever done because I'm going to touch the hearts of the people because we're going to do this by faith instead of doing this by the hand of the flesh. We're going to do this by the hand of the spirit. 
So I know all of that. I've got all that already. I'm sharing that. But then his presence comes. It's like he says, now, son, you've got all that packaged up real nice. You understand it. Good for you. But now through her, I'm going to tell you the real purpose of it. You've got all the mechanics and you understand how it's all going to happen. I've already told you all that. But now the real, the real information comes through your wife. The reason I'm doing this is not so you can have a bigger building. It's not so you can have three, 4,000 people. That's not the reason I'm doing this. The reason I'm doing this is because there is an appointed time like there was an appointed time for the mantle. There is an appointed time for my glory to visit Toronto. He said that to me. There is an appointed time, Greg. Notice how we said the vision is for an appointed time. There is a set time in the spirit for my glory to visit Toronto. And he didn't say we're the only ones because he rarely does it through one group. He only does it through one group if nobody else wants to be involved. But there are many people in Toronto that want to be involved. So it will not only be our church. But he said, there is an appointed time for my glory to visit this city. And you are one of the churches that my glory will enter your sanctuary. And he said, are you listening to me? I mean, we just started weeping. As, he, as he's saying that through Jenny. Remember you were prophesying on the bed and I was weeping and you were weeping and he just started to say, this is not about just a growing congregation. This is not about just the dramatic influx of divine joinings, although it's part of that. The building's connected to that. It's not just about the plan and how you get it and the timing and how you get it and all the logistics and mechanics that I've revealed to you. It's not just about that. It's about an appointed time that my glory is coming to this city. It will surely come. Nothing can stop it. And there are churches that must house it. And you are one. He didn't tell me how many. He said you are one of the churches that will house my glory. For there is an appointed time for my glory to visit Toronto. And it is coming. And I need your church to house that glory. That is why you're doing this. All the mechanics, all the logistics, all the plan, all of this. It's not as important as this one thing. I have an appointed time to visit this city and I am coming. And I need churches to house me. And your church will be one that houses me. And if you thought that you weren't good enough or qualified or you were too small, that is why I had to tell you through a prophet that you trust because you wouldn't have believed me if I told you myself directly to you. I had to get the prophet to say it will be called the glory center. But I had to have the prophet stand in that in the realm of the spirit. I had to have another man tell you because you wouldn't have believed it. Because we don't believe it. It sounds like we're promoting ourselves. Like he had to have doctor talk about the mantle. He couldn't have told me. I would have said no. I'm not worthy of that. So he has got to talk to me. He has Dr. Dr. Randy, Randy Greer, talk about the glory center. Stand in the glory center. Because if he had told me, I would have said, we're not worthy of that. We're just a little church, Lord. We're not worthy of these big highfalutin things. We're just a simple little ministry. What are you going to use us for? Use prayer palace. Use all these big ones. that got lots of money. Lots of people. Use them. And maybe God will use them. He's not limited, Errol, by, by anything. He's looking for hearts. If the big church with lots of money has a heart that cries out for God, God will use them. And if there's a little church that doesn't have a lot of people or money, but their heart is crying out to God, God will use them. He don't care about your PhD. He doesn't care about how many people you have. He doesn't care about how long you've been in existence. He doesn't care the ratios of the color scheme in your church. 
Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're mixed, whether you're Chinese, he don't care about that. He's looking, are you crying out for me? And if you cry, I will visit you. That's all the criteria that you need. And he knows me. I'm crying out for him. And he said, there is an appointed time. It is a set time in the spirit where I, my glory, is going to visit Toronto. I am coming and nothing will stop me. And I am looking for churches to house that glory. And you are one of the churches I have assigned to house it. And your new building is for that purpose and that purpose alone. This is not a building fund. This is the glory of God for the Jerusalem End Time Revival Fund. This is bigger than checking money for an offering for a building fund. This is God himself breathing into you saying, will you support my offering, my house, my glory's coming. I need you to help me. That's what God is asking you today. And I, for one, am not going to say no. And if you say no, so help me. I'm telling you, I, I, I pray for you. If you reject what God is saying, he will remove you. And he will raise up ones that have a heart for him. Don't get too settled in your seat thinking that you have rights and privileges in this house. For the only ones that have rights and privileges, including myself, are the ones that stay fluid with God, that run with the vision, that when the season changes, we change with it, and we don't get locked into the old way of doing things, that are willing to give all when he asks, instead of questioning and doubting, and I don't know why his motive. God's not into that. We have entered a new season. When the mantle came, a greater season began, and today a sub, in the, uh, it's a microcosm, but a new season starts today. And against all odds, we're here in person, even though everything in the natural said we wouldn't be here in person today. And there is a voice trying to stop this message. Gary was right. Gary didn't know, and none of you did either, unless you were sensitive, but what we've gone through is literally hell on earth for three weeks and the Lord said to me last night the reason is because the devil does not want you to share about the glory that's why honey all of this is because of this and you say but why we're not even taking an offering today we won't be taking an offering for years so stop all of you sweating I can see some of you you your dirt bags you're sweating stop sweating I'm not taking your money today in fact he said to me on the fast you are not permitted to take money unless they are desperate to give it. Because he took me back to that verse in chapter 25, verse 2 and verse 3. And he says, you are not permitted to take an offering except they be willing. So I can't even, I'm not even allowed to take your money if you grumble. Keep it. You're going to need it. Keep it. I'm only allowed to take money from people God's offering for the glory center. Because there's an appointed time and he's going to visit Toronto. And I am going to be right there with Gary and with, my, and with those that are children of the mantle and runners in Hebron. And we're going to be right there. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be a part of that new work. And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, this stuff I could share, but I can't get it out right now. But I'm telling you, there's miracles coming. 
That's why we're doing the Gifts of the Spirit course because we've got to start getting back and teaching and getting in that flow and meditating and, and praying for it and crying out for it and being hungry for it. The best ways you do that is what you talk about, you'll get hungry for. What you preach about, you'll get hungry for. That's why I'm doing this course because I need to get hungry for those gifts of the Spirit and uh, a, a manifestation we've never seen before, Taylor. I'm talking about stuff that Pastor Nancy's been preaching about. I've seen it in the Spirit. People coming in without arms and before the service goes, their arms grow out. I'm talking God is going to visit Toronto. His glory is going to visit Toronto. And I'm telling you, it's going to get darker. And they're going to hate us like they've never hated. They're going to gnash their teeth at us. Because we say that homosexuality is a sin. Because we say that transgender is, is a sin. Because we stand for right, they're going to hate us. But in that place of great pressure and darkness, the power like a ball of light and glory is going to show up in that building and it's going to explode, Jenny. And the people are going to come that are sinners and they're going to get instantly free and instantly healed and creative miracles. And by the hundreds and thousands get born again, I'm telling you, God has got an appointed time to visit this city. And he is telling us early because we must talk about it and we must preach about it and we must pray for it and we must prepare for it because Jonathan has to go first. The spirit, the preaching, the praying, the casting of vision must be done first. Then the people follow. Then the armor bearer comes. Then the natural manifests. Then the people bring their club and they deal the death blow. Here is my offering. Here is my gift. Here is my talent. Here is my time. The natural things. To make the vision work. And it will surely come to pass. Jennifer, I'm telling you. This glory, it is a glory center. In fact, I've already, God already said to me, don't change the name of your church. But what you need to put on that sign is the glory center promise of life church in smaller letters. It will be known as the glory center. We're still promise of life church, but it will be known to the general person out there. Did you hear what happened at the glory center? They're not going to say, did you hear what happened at promise of life? They're going to say, did you hear what happened at the glory center? Did you know that that person got raised from the dead at the glory center? Did you hear that? I'm telling you, I know this sounds highfalutin and beyond me because it is, but I'm telling you, I didn't fast and pray for 40 days for a joke. And I didn't expect God to tell me all the stuff he did. I think he, I expected half of what he told me, but he visited me. And he visited me in that hotel room with my wife on December 12th. And he said, all of the stuff on the fast is all the how you do it. Uh -huh. But what I'm telling you today on the 12th is why you do it. Yes. How you do it is important. But the main thing is why. The reason why is because I'm visiting your city. And I need churches to house the glory. And your church is one. So you have to talk about it early. You have to pray about it early. You have to cast the vision early because time is going to pass while the people do the spiritual and then the natural. And when both come together in their appointed time, the building comes and then the revival comes yeah. and then the glory comes. Yeah. It all has to work together. That's why we're talking about it now and not three years from now because it's going to take time. Remember, uh, though it tarry, wait for it. That as you run with the vision, there's also a waiting. You run while you wait. You run while you wait. We're in the season of waiting, but we're also in the season of running while we wait. We've got to run talking about this because it's coming. And that's what he wanted me to say. There's so much more. There's so much more that has to be said. But that's what he said to me early this morning when I was praying. He said the pressure and the demonic assault has been because the devil does not want you to speak about the glory center. It's so important that I say it. 
It hasn't, nothing, nothing's happened. We've got a long ways to go, Brandon, long way. But there's something that started today in the realm of the spirit. And it started because the clock changed at midnight, but also it started because of my preaching. He wanted this spoken today, and the devil did not want this spoken. And he tried everything he could naturally, spiritually, in the government, with us personally, with other people against us. He's tried everything he can to discourage me, to make me quit, to make me not want to do this. He's tried everything. But I said to the Lord this morning, I felt the anointing come on me. And I heard the Lord say, you get up there, I'll be with you. You're going to say it. It starts today. We will look back, Errol. We'll look back and we'll say April 11th, the vision was cast. Now, we, now that day we'll stand in it. Praise God. Hallelujah. The glory center. God has an appointed time to visit Toronto and he is coming. He's coming in glory. I mean unrestrained glory. No devil in hell can stop him. And we are going to be one of many that house him. And we're going to see a move of God in the city, brother. It's, it was Toronto the good, now it's Toronto the bad. It's going to be known as Toronto the glorious. More glorious still. Praise God. And it's going to usher in the return of the king. I'm telling you guys, this is more than, don't sweat. I'm not taking any money from you. But I'm telling you, don't be surprised if God wakes you up in the night. Because he told me, get out the way, son, you talk too much. I will personally deal with your congregation. If I could deal with those heathens, I can surely deal with Greg. <laughs> now, he didn't say Greg, but I'm saying Greg because Greg's a good person to say because Greg's a bit of a heathen. Now, if God could deal with those heathens, God can deal with Greg. No, because Greg is so not a heathen and they were such heathens and he's such a spiritual man. If the sinners can get it and have to be restrained, how much more can Greg get it and have to be restrained? How much more can Happy? Well, how much more can Wayne? Praise God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you. I thank you for the timeline. I thank you for the prophecy of Pastor Nancy that this is a season of downloads. I thank you, Lord, for this new season that started today. I thank you, Lord, that despite the pressure, despite the obstacles, despite the darkness, that, Lord, I have not quit and I never will. You know me. I won't, I won't let you down. Father, I thank you that even though it seems simple to the people in the realm of the Spirit, something very important happened today. That even if the sermon didn't seem that important, although it, it was important, but Lord, in the realm of the Spirit, something happened today. And you needed my words to go forth into the spiritual realm and pierce darkness. You needed the flag to be planted, so to speak, that April 11th we start. So Father, today let this day be a grand opening, so to speak, in the realm of the Spirit for the vision to be cast. Father, I commit to you, my wife and I, and the willing ones of this congregation, I say the willing ones because I don't know if all are willing, but Father, I say by faith that all are willing. Father, my wife and I and the willing ones, we commit to you that we will position ourselves accordingly and appropriately to welcome the King of glory when he comes. Open ye gates, lift up your heads, all ye gates, for the King of glory, let him come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, mighty in battle. Father, we commit that we will open our heads, lift up our heads and open up the gates. We will prepare and position ourselves, whatever needs to be done. We'll give what we need to give. We'll pray what we need to pray. We'll preach what we need to preach. We'll work what we need to work. We'll strive what we need to strive. We'll confess what we need to confess. But we will do what you've asked us to do. And the willing ones in us, Father, will stand in the Hebron building, which will be called the Glory Center. And we will prepare for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit that this city has ever seen.
Lord, the mantle from Amy Simple McPherson that came on them in 1917 came on us. It came on us, Father, when Dr. Dufresne prophesied it in 2010. But it actually came in full manifestation on December 12, 2020. And that Amy Simple McPherson produced the greatest revival that Toronto's ever seen with 15,000 bona fide conversions. And Father, you told me that if we would be faithful in this mantle and faithful to that anointing, that you would give me double what you gave her. And so, Father, I'm believing you for that 30,000 at some point. I don't know how or when, if it will be in one church, multiple churches, I don't care. But that's the number you told me to believe you for. And you said more important than a number, you said a revival's coming. And Dr. Jerry has prophesied that another revival's coming. And Randy Greer saw it, that there were the revival coming. And Pastor Nancy's been talking about another revival coming. And Father, I know that you're going to visit Toronto and I know that we're going to be a house to receive your presence and to see the power of God flow and it shall be called the glory house. So Father, the willing ones and I will do whatever it takes. I commit to you today before the holy angels and the devils of hell. I commit to you, Father, that whatever it takes, I will obey. We will obey. The willing ones and us will go with you. And we will make this glory house. And we will pay the financial price, the natural price, and the spiritual price. And we will not quit, for though the vision tarry, it will surely come to pass. And we will fulfill the plan of God. And we will see you visit Toronto, and you will visit our church. And we'll be one of many, but we'll have a part to play in this last day move of God, this Jerusalem season, this outpouring before the rapture. And Lord, I plant my flag in the realm of the Spirit today. I planted on April 11th today and I speak forth the vision today and I declare glory center you shall come to pass glory center you shall be built your foundation shall be laid and you shall be inhabited I say it will come to pass I say the glory will visit us I say God himself will walk in that building and I say that Jesus will be pleased and I say the willing ones go with me in Jesus' name I say it. And I thank you, Father, that what needed to happen today has now happened. What needed to start the engine has now started. What needed to start momentum has now begun. We start this today, Father, on April the 11th. It is a day to be reckoned with. It is a day marked in the Spirit. It is a day marked and etched upon our memories. And I thank you for it. Lord, let the ones here be, feel grateful that they showed up today. Let them feel grateful they were assigned to this service particularly because, Father, something in the Spirit happened today. We don't fully understand the magnitude of it, but we'll look back in the years, back, in the years to come. We'll look back at this day. This was the entry. This was the start of the vision being cast. And I thank you, Father, that they've had the privilege of being a part of it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you glory and honor. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Taylor's going to come and finish. But it would be remiss for me not to end with this last statement. My wife, God showed her something. She was up, lifted up in the air in this building that she saw as well, like Randy did. I've never seen it, but she saw it. She was up in kind of this right center, like up where a balcony would be, although I don't know if there was a balcony, but she was suspended in the air and she was looking at the congregation on a Sunday morning. This is in this revival moment. This is in this future. She said the place was full, thousands of people. And she said, she's 
looking at the service, she saw the stage. The stage was about this tall, about my height, a little lower than my height, and massive stage. And all these instruments and singers and all the stuff. And she said, Craig, I'm looking at the scene and, and I know that this is, the, this is the glory center. I know what I'm seeing. And she said there was a door on the left. She's looking at the pulpit. And she said there was a door on the left of the pulpit, her left. And she said the door opened and you walked out. Like you walked from the green room down. She said the green room was on the left. And she said you walked across the front, right in front of the stage, going toward the pulpit. The pulpit was on the ground like we have it here. And she said, you were about halfway there, a little over halfway to the pulpit. And she said, the power of God hit you. And I saw you, there was no one there to catch you, but the glory of God hit you and you fell out backwards, prostrate on the ground, just knocked out by the glory. And she said, I saw a physical cloud. When you fell, I saw a cloud come into the building. And every single person that was standing was, when, when, I, when the cloud moved, they were, all fought, they were all prostrate. Everyone, thousands of people were slain at the same time by the power of God. And miracles were popping like popcorn. And God, that's the glory of God. I'm not saying it has to come in a cloud because many times it doesn't come in a cloud. But she saw like a cloud come into that building. And she saw me go first and every other person bit the dust and the power of God showed up in that glory center. Now, why do you think God showed her that? Because God's giving us a little tiny hors d'oeuvre, Jenny, of what's coming. And he wants us to have holy imaginations. He wants us to picture and go, that's what it's going to look like, Lord. That's what it's going to look like. Whether that scene actually physically plays out or not, whether I actually walk out and say, I don't know. But I'm not saying that that's a prophecy that has to happen. But I'm telling you, that glory is going to come in that building and people are going to know it. It's going to be conspicuous. It's not going to be, well, I think God's here. If you squint really hard, you might see a little bit of a whiff in the air. No, it's going to be, it's going to be conspicuous and tangible. And the, and the power of God is going to be demonstrated. And the glory of God is going to be demonstrated. And at times it may be a cloud and it may not be a cloud. But I'm telling you, people will know that God is there. And she saw that, and I've held on to that image. This whole, this whole time I've held on to that because I thought, well, Randy saw it. And Jenny saw it. And you spoke, you didn't let me see it, but you spoke to me about it. And it will surely come to pass. So this is why today was such an important day. The Glory Center, Promise of Life Church. The Glory Center, Promise of Life Church is going to be built. It's going to come to pass and it will house the very glory of God in the last day great revival. And he has given us the honor of participating. So get ready, my brother and sister. And don't think about the money. Just get your hearts ready. Get excited. Pray for it. Don't worry about the money. I'll talk to you about the money later when I think you can handle it. Because I know most of you can't. But don't worry about the money. Just you pray. Just get excited. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God give you the money. You don't have to come up with it. Let God do it. Let God stir your hearts. Just be willing to do what he wants you to do. And we'll do this together. Glory to God. I bless you all. I thank you for the great pull on the anointing that you were. And Gary, brother, I, I, I say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being led by the Spirit. Your words help sustain me during a dark time. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this precious congregation. I love them with all my heart. And I bless them. Let them have a wonderful Sunday, a wonderful afternoon, a wonderful time with their families. Let them get their eyes off nonsense COVID. Let them get their eyes off this nonsense. 
and on to you, great master, for the vision is great. The days ahead are great and the joy set before us is great. Let us get excited for the days ahead are bright. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.